Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. In the hallway. Are you ready? Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. We've been in this series, House of Prayer. We're continuing on. This is it, 21, beginning with verse 12. Jesus enters the temple and began to drive out all of the people that were buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those that were selling the doves. And he said to them this, The scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he did what? He healed them. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw that these wonderful miracles and heard that even the children in the temple were shouting, praise God for the son of David. But the leaders were indignant. And they asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied, haven't you read the scripture? For they say, you have taught the children and infants to give you praise. Then return to Bethany where he stayed the night. So you've got to imagine the scene here. Jesus comes in. It is, uh, there has just been a huge parade. Jesus has grabbed this donkey. They've walked into into Jerusalem. Uh, There's palm leaves that have been uh, put on the ground. Jesus is walking in. Everybody is shouting, Hosanna. This is Hosanna in the highest. The town is just absolutely loving this. And then Jesus walks into the temple, and then all of a sudden, the mood changes really quick, right? It goes from this parade celebration to all of a sudden, Jesus starts flipping over tables, Right, he's, he's flipping over the money changer tables. And you could just imagine the scene. Like I just kind of see coins just kind of flying everywhere. And, and people are grabbing coins off of the ground. And then he, he flips over the tables with the, the doves and the birds. And you could just kind of see the doves flying off into the sunset. And the birds are like, that was really close. <laughs> do y'all know what they do to doves here? Like we just made, I like that guy, whoever that guy was. You know, and, and this is the scene, and then all of a sudden, it's just quiet. It's just, whoa, whoa, what, what, what's happening here? I'm not exactly sure what's going on. And then Jesus says these words. Listen, it is written. This place will be called a house of prayer. And, and we've talked about that the last couple weeks, this idea um, what does this house of prayer mean? And, and he's referring here to Isaiah chapter 56, because uh, this has been said before, hey, this is what I want my temple to look like. This is how it's going to operate, and these are some things how it should look. And, and so we've looked at that, but then he also says this, but you guys, you've turned it into a den of thieves. Now, what's interesting here. As first, he quotes Isaiah 56, where he talks about a house of prayer, but this is also written as well. This isn't the first time this comes up. This is actually uh, Jesus quoting from Jeremiah chapter 7. Uh, so we're going to read that this morning, Jeremiah chapter 7. It says this, beginning with verse 4. Now, what's interesting, when Jeremiah is prophesying this, he's doing this at the temple. So same place in which Jesus is uh, first said what Isaiah said, now he's saying what Jeremiah said, what 
was written all of these hundreds of years ago, and Jeremiah's prophesying at the exact same spot. It says this beginning with verse 4. But don't be fooled by those who promise you safety simply because the Lord's temple is here. They chant this, the Lord's temple is here, the Lord's temple is here. But I will be merciful only if you stop your evil thoughts and deeds and, stop and start treating others with justice. Only if you stop doing this, exploiting foreigners and orphans and widows. Only if you stop your murdering. And only if you stop harming yourselves by worshiping idols. Then I will let you stay in this land and I will give you your ancestor, give it to your ancestors to keep forever. So don't be fooled into thinking that you will never suffer because the temple is here. Don't be fooled into thinking that just because you came to Jesus, you ain't never gonna suffer. Don't be fooled just because the temple is here, that you're never gonna, it's a lie. Do you really think that you could steal and murder and commit adultery and lie and burn incense to Baal and all of those other new gods of yours and then come up in here and stand before my temple and chant, we are safe? Do you really think you could act crazy all week long and, and be mean to your next door neighbor and your spouse and your wife and cuss the dude out on Highway 17 and lie and cheat and then come up into church on Sunday and be like, it's all good because Jesus is here. The temple's here. Everything's good. He's like, don't, don't fool yourselves. He says this, don't you yourselves admit that this temple, which bears my name, has become a den of thieves. Surely I see all the evil going on here, and the Lord has spoken. Oh, man, this is interesting. Because Jesus is quoting, uh, same scenario, this has happened. Jeremiah's prophesied it. Isaiah's prophesied it. Now, Jesus is saying, it, look, it's, it, a lot of things haven't changed. Y'all are still doing these things. And the words are just kind of echoed generation to generation and generation. Don't fool yourselves. Don't fool yourselves. You can't do all of this stupid stuff all week long and then just think everything's good. Now, we don't have that problem in church today. <laughs> now, that happened just thousands of years ago, and then way before, like, like we, we are a civilized people. I mean, we've got technology now, y'all. I mean, we've got phones and cars and, and, and all of these things that, that are happening all around us, and we are good. Uh, the conditions are changed. The conditions may have changed, but the condition hasn't. Because our hearts <laughs> are still full of all kinds of deceit. Our hearts still just are full of all of these things and all the things happen. And we're still a part of this system. And, and I was thinking about this, like this is nothing new. Even when Isaiah talked about it, and even when Jeremiah probably, like this goes all the way back to Genesis whenever Adam bit that apple. As a matter of fact, if I was teaching a marketing class, this is where I would go to. I would, I would go to the garden, Genesis, and, and I would look, and I look at this paragraph, and it's like there was this tree, and you're not supposed to eat of it, but what does it say? But it looked good. And, and, and if, I, if I eat this thing, ooh, it'll also make me like God. Ooh, interesting, that's good marketing right there. Ooh, because if something looks really good, and it has this benefit, then it must be for you. Cheeseburger at McDonald's. 
right? It looks real good on the commercial. And I've had all these benefits. Ooh, you know, like we have this thing. This is, this is all marketing. And then the writer of Ecclesiastes says, listen, there's nothing new under the sun. Like it was in Isaiah's day. It was in Jeremiah's day. It, Jesus, Jesus is still dealing with these same issues. And 2,000 years later, we're still dealing with these issues today. And, 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 and it applies to us. We're still having the same story, the same fights. I guarantee you 2,000 years ago, people were still fighting, where do you want to eat? Where do you want to eat? No, no, same fight. Because here's the thing, it's a lot easier to change the external than it is to change the internal. It's a lot easier just, and we're going to get to this because even Jesus just flipping these tables over. It's a lot easier to change the external things that are going wrong in the temple than it is the internal things. And we'll get to that by the end here. Because there's this den of thieves. There's this heart, and the heart wants what the heart wants, and it doesn't care how it gets it. And so there's this warning that we have. And particularly here, the warning that Jeremiah gives the congregation is this. Listen, you are exploiting people. You're coming into this place and you're exploiting the orphan and the foreigner and the widow, which is interesting because when we turn to the book of James, James says this. You want to know what pure religion is? You want to know what pure, undefiled religion is? It's taking care of the orphan, the widow, the poor, the foreigner. It's like, so it's just like, no, like, but in the temple, you're exploiting these people. You're taking advantage of the very ones you're called to bless. But they didn't see it that way. All, all of these happens because here's the thing. The money changers and the dove sellers, as they're exploiting these people, it's become acceptable. It's become, this is just the way that you do business, and so if you were a buyer of a dove, or if you were a seller of a dove, or if you were one of those that were selling the sheep and the goats and all of these other things, and if you were a Pharisee or a Sadducee or a priest or whatever you were doing, if you were in there, this was just what you do. This was acceptable, this exploitation that was going on. Now we read that and we think to ourselves, how is that even possible? How could you find yourself in such a state where you're exploiting these people that need help? Well, let me give you an illustration. How many of you have ever been to a baseball game? Yeah, $12 for a hot dog, <laughs> right? Went this summer, they had a special. You could get two hot dogs and a drink for $25, <laughs> right? And we accept that because why? Because you're at the baseball field. Because this is normal. Because all the other baseball fields do this. And so we don't even stop to question, like, no, no, that's exploitation. That's actually wrong. It, it, it does not benefit me. It only benefits them. But because everyone's doing it, we've just said it's okay. It's okay to pay $12 for a hot dog. That's exactly what's happened here. So, so you have all these buyers and these sellers, and they're selling these doves, and they're changing this money, and they're ripping people off, but it's become the norm. It's become the standard because, hey, we provide a good service. Because all these sacrifices that you have to give, we'll make it easy on you, and you just come and you can just pick up your dove right here. It's going to cost you more, but you don't have to travel with that dove. You don't have to raise that dove. You don't have to take it. You can just grab your sacrifice to go. Come on. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. 
and it's just become acceptable that no one sees it. And Jesus flips over these tables. He's like, do you not understand? Because the point of all this is it's self-centeredness. You're exploiting the widow and the orphan and the foreigner. And it's not what I meant my place to look like. This is my house. It bears my name. Because all of these sacrifices are no longer even about sacrifices. It's about self-centeredness and how we could get more for this thing. The very nature of a sacrifice is it's supposed to cost you something. The very nature of it, the very word sacrifice means it's supposed to cost you something. It's not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be easy. He goes on to say this, listen, and stop harming yourself. Like the, the, the person that you're harming is you. You're harming yourself how? By worshiping these idols and all of these new gods. Like, oh, well, we don't, we don't, we don't worship Baal. We don't, man, we have so many new gods. We serve the God of easy. We serve the God of convenience. We serve the God of rush. We serve the God of hurry. We serve the God of just, it's all about me and quick and fast. All of these new gods. And I remember going over to India and just beginning to learn about Hinduism and like, oh, there's a hundred million gods. And I think like, how could you have a hundred million gods? And then I realized we got way more than that here in America. We just call them by a different name. And we, we don't see it. And God's just saying, wait, wait, hold on. You're harming yourself by serving at the God of efficiency and easy. And they become these new gods. And, and here's the thing, though. This process, it's a slow roll. We don't see it. The hot dogs just didn't jump from $1 to $12 overnight. It was a slow roll. It was a slow thing. I, I, I went to the hospital a while back. A Tylenol can cost you $25. I don't care, you know, and I'm not trying to judge, but that's just wrong. Right? That's exploitation. There, there's no other way to package that. Uh, all of these things, and we, we begin to, 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 to say, like, but that's okay because you're at the hospital. But it's a slow roll, y'all. It's the same thing with our education system. Do you know that schools like Harvard and Yale were founded on Christian principles? To be Christian universities to send out missionaries? Now go on that campus and try and talk about Jesus. It didn't happen overnight. It was a slow roll where all of a sudden they began to lose purpose because they, they took on, well, no, we see there's more money over here. We could sell doves for more money if we do it right here. You just come to the temple, just bring it. It's all, you don't, you don't have to raise the dove. You don't have to take care of the dove. You don't have to feed the dove. You just grab it right here. It's that original to go. Right there, boom, pay your money. Pay this absorbent price, do it. And all the time they're, taking advantage, exploiting. And Jeremiah's giving this warning, stop doing this. Because when you do this, the natural outworking of doing this is you lose your purpose. You forget the very thing that you've been called to do and you've made it about something else. Because the loss of purpose will always turn into self-centeredness. So if I don't have this purpose that God has in me, that purpose will be well, all for me. And how can I benefit me in whichever area, whether it's money or power or sex or whatever it is that you're pursuing. Worship to go. And now even today, we kind of 
even use the gospel as we're selling the gospel as this kind of idea that come to Jesus and everything will be all right and he'll fill your bank account and you'll never get sick again and life is going to be easy. Jeremiah says, don't be fooled, that's a lie. The gospel is come to Jesus and die so that you can truly live. And if we don't hear the fullness of it, we'll be get, we'll just, whoa, I didn't think all of this would happen. I didn't think it would happen this way. Don't be fooled. The den of thieves can pop up today just as it did in Jeremiah's time, just as it did in Isaiah's time, just as it did in Jesus' time. Now, the next thing Jesus addresses is this. It's the same thing Isaiah and Jeremiah does, which Jesus addressed, is not just what's happening, but the recognition of this is on leadership. This is the leadership of the church. This is the leadership of the temple. And I want to read to you how Isaiah puts it, because we didn't read the entire chapter the other day. So I want to finish the chapter. I did this on purpose. Isaiah chapter 56, which Jesus is referencing here when he says this, it concludes like this the last four verses, verses 9 through 12. Come, wild animals of the field. Come, wild animals of the forest. Come and devour my people. Wait, what? For the leaders, the leaders, the people in charge, the pastors, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the priests, the leaders of my people, the Lord's watchmen, his shepherds, they are blind and they are ignorant. They are blind and they are ignorant. They are like silent watchdogs that give no warning when danger comes. They love to lie around just sleeping and dreaming. They're like greedy dogs. They are never satisfied. They are ignorant shepherds, all following their own path and intent on personal gain. Come, they say, let's have some wine, and let's have a party, and let's get drunk. Then tomorrow, guess what? We'll do it all again. And you know what? We'll make it even bigger. And like, this, is, this is Isaiah saying, it's like, this is the leadership. And to the ones that are overseeing the temple, to the house, and this is what it should look like. And, this is, and Jesus says, you're blind and you're ignorant. And he likens this blind and this ignorance unto a silent watchdog. Listen, pastor, you're like a, a silent watchdog. They give no warning of danger whenever, whenever uh, the enemy is on its way, whenever the enemy is coming. They love to do this. They just love to lie around and sleep and eat and poop. I remember we had this dog, his little 10-pound Maltese. Come on, Kobe, you remember, Bodie? This little 10-pound dog, and he thought he was a watchdog. And so that little 10-pounder would bark at everybody and everything. I mean, you knew the second the UPS man was rolling up, anybody rang that door, he would go crazy barking, would you shut up, dog, would you just shut up, you're not a watchdog, just, we're just all the time yelling at this dog, just barking and barking and barking, just, I just wish you'd shut up. And I remember telling my wife, I was like, if we ever get another dog, I want to get the oldest dog we could find. <laughs> He's got all kinds of issues, and he just slays by the fire, and he just sleeps all day, and we hang out, and I just pet him, and I take him out every once in a while, and he just eats some more. Like, I want that dog, right? And I remember, like, thinking about this this week and realizing, if we're not careful, that's exactly what we want out of the church. We want a pastor who won't sound the alarm. 
Because after all, come, just shut up, pastor. Why do you keep talking about that thing week after week after week? I wish you'd just shut up, keep sounding the alarm, like all these things are happening. I wish you would just tell me what, you, what I want to hear, right? It's just, just, like that, just like that little dog, just, just shut up, just tell me what I want to hear. And Paul actually says this with Timothy, the days will come where people just, just tickle them ears. They just want them ears tickled. Just tell me what they want to hear. And I, I just think, like, man, if we're not careful, that's exactly what we'll want. One of those dogs that just sleep all day. We want preachers just to tell us what we want to hear. We want a church that's just super easy. It's just super easy to just go to church. Don't have to take any personal responsibility at all. Don't, don't have to just kind of come and can go, and I could take my sacrifice to go. Matter of fact, everybody, the pastor, and everybody, they could prepare the birds. I don't have to raise my own bird. We'll, we'll just drop a few bucks in. It'll be okay. God's all good with this. And God's like, no, you're like a silent sheepdog. He gives us like the blindness and the ignorance are, 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 is, this, is what Jesus is saying to us. And so it begs a few questions like, God, how do I know if I'm like that sheepdog, if, if I'm blind and ignorant and don't even know it? How do I know if I'm becoming blind? And he, he points out a few different things. One, one is this, he's like, they're like silent watchdogs. There's a silence about you. There's a silence about me. Are we remaining silent when we should be speaking up? Are we remaining silent when we should be speaking up? Now, there's a big difference between knowing when to talk and when to keep your mouth shut, right? This isn't permission to go out there and, like my dog, bark at every single person. You're supposed to bark when danger is on its way right? It's no problem when the UPS dude's on the porch. It's a problem when the UPS dude comes in the house, right? And so learning that, learning that everything in your life isn't a level 10 emergency. Some of y'all just bark and bark and bark and bark. Like, it, like, calm down a little bit. But then understanding, no, 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 there is some real danger ahead. And, and not being afraid to sound the alarm of like, no, no, listen, brother, listen, so that you're going down the wrong path. And, and I have to sound this alarm. I know you don't want to hear it, but I will not remain silent. When to speak, when to keep your mouth shut. The second thing he says is this. There, there, there's a laziness. All you want to do is sleep around and dream. Do you find yourself becoming increasingly lazy to the thing that God has called you to do? Not the thing that God's called me to do. Not the thing that God's called your neighbor to do. Not the thing that God's called your mama to do or the government to do the thing that God's called you to do? Do you find yourself becoming uh, incredible or more lazy in that area? You're like this watchman on the wall and all you do is pointing out everybody else's flaws. No, 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 no. You're on that wall for a reason. And some of us are too busy with everybody else's mess that we ain't doing our job. Then he says this. They're like greedy dogs. Greed. Are you never satisfied? Are you just never satisfied? It's never good enough. You just cannot be content. Greed is driving you, and greed has blinded you, even if it's for a good cause. And we cover it up with a lot of spiritual talk. And at the end of the day, it's greed. It's merchants buying and selling doves, and it's exploitation. But we can make it sound real spiritual. But we're providing a good service. We're helping people out. Like, no, no, no. It's greed. It's always just one more. 
has silence, laziness, and greed. These three things, Jesus says, listen, it leads to your blindness. It leads to blindness. You can still have eyes, but you can't see clearly anymore. Then he says this about the leadership. Not only are you blind leadership, but you're ignorant leadership. And then it goes on to say this. They're ignorant shepherds, all following their own path. You've got to have things your own way. Are you the type of person that things just have to be my way or the highway? Oh, that leads to ignorance. Uh, you got to do things the way I want them to do. And well, they didn't do things the way I want them to do. And so because they didn't do things the way I want them to do, I'm through with them. Ignorance. Then, then, then it just says this, they're, they're following their own path and on tent on personal gain. Are you doing all these things just at the end of the day for you? Because this is for me. I, I, I'm doing all these things and it could be, again, covered up with spiritual talk, but at the end of the day, it's just to fulfill your need and your selfish desire. Remember, this is leadership. So this has gone down into the people, which begs the question, so when you're given authority, how do you use that power? How do you use the power that God has given you? For your own gain, for what you can get, or for what you can give? Godly leadership, godly leadership always, 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 always uses their power to serve others. It's not about them. It's not about my personal gain. It's not about what I can get. Son of man came to serve, not to be served. Jesus had all power and all authority given to him, and what did he do with it? Therefore, you go. I have all power. I have all for, and you know, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. You go, and you, you reach the nations and, and heal the sick, and you're going to do even greater things. This is what godly leadership does. Ungodly leadership sucks it all in and says, no, it's all about me and my personal gain and how, how much bigger and how much better I could do for me. Last one says this. They come and they say, come, let's have this party and let's all get drunk and we'll do it again and we'll do it again. It's self-indulgent patterns. Self-indulgent patterns. Come, let's just have fun. And guess what? We'll make it bigger next time. We had 2,000 people. Ah, next time we'll have 3,000 people. Oh, we, we gave away 50. Ah, we'll give away 75. It always has to be bigger. It always has to be one up. The self Indulge. And he says, listen, if you have to go your own way, if you're content on personal gain, this self-indulgence leads to ignorance, this blindness, this ignorance. And Jesus prayed this prayer, listen, that they would have eyes to see and ears to hear. And here's what we have to do, church. This is what you and I have to do. We have to safeguard against it. Because this type of leadership, it's nothing new. It's Isaiah, it's Jeremiah, it's in Jesus' day, and we would like to think that they're just talking about them. No, 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 no. See, I read this, and I don't think God's talking about some other church or some other people. I just assume Jesus is talking about me. I just assume, like, Lucas, this is a warning. You could become this blind, stupid watchdog. Lucas, you could become, you could be, your blindness and your laziness and your self-indulgence, you have a tendency to do all of these things inside of my house. So I don't assume this is for somebody else. This is a warning for me. This is a warning for you, church, because I, I just believe that y'all are leaders too. Come on. And God's calling you to lead too. And so we have to understand that we have a tendency. History shows us that we have a tendency to lean these ways. We have a tendency to want to make it easy. I want to get my doves to go. 
I want my worship to be easy. I want Alan to come up here and just do an amazing job, and I want Alan to lead me into worship because he's so good. But if that, we said this last week, but if that's the basis and the foundation of me worshiping God, I've missed it completely. Alan's whole job up here, whoever's leading worship, is to simply say, I'm pointing you to Jesus. I'm not pointing you to me. I'm not pointing you to me right now. I'm opening up these scriptures and just saying, listen, God's given us some warnings. I have a tendency, like, I could become this lazy watchdog. Christian leadership has a tendency to become crazy, crazy, lazy, just people that want things their own way and want to throw a bigger party and lay by the fire and be that fat dog. I guess, oh wait, hold on, hold on, Jesus, I, I need some help. Help me, Lord, help our churches, help our leaders because we drift. Israel drifted time and time again in Isaiah's day and in Jeremiah's day, and this is the context of, Ma- context of Matthew 21. It's happened again. Now here's where it gets really interesting. I got a couple minutes. Here's where it gets really interesting. It wasn't just Isaiah's, it wasn't just Jeremiah's, and this isn't even the first time with Jesus. In the book of John chapter two, it records Jesus going in to the temple and flipping the tables. This actually happens three years before this incident. So at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he's just turned water into wine. He goes and he flips over tables in the temple. Three years later, he's entering Jerusalem, getting ready to face the cross, and he flips the tables over again. See, three other of the, of the Gospels record this at the end. John records it at the beginning. It says, that's, that's so important because catch, catch what it means. Jesus started his ministry, and he's addressing an issue in his temple. Jesus ended his ministry, and not ended, you know what I mean when I say that. He comes to the culmination of the cross, and he's having to deal with the same issue all over again. Have you ever felt like that's your life? Have you ever felt like, I've given my life for this thing, and I'm still having to do this, this, I'm addressing the same problem again and again. Jesus knows how you feel. It's, it's, it's happened before. Jesus starts in three years. God, did I even make a difference? Three years of all of these amazing things. I'm having to do this again. See, I flipped over the tables, but they just set them right back up. In just a few days, he'll crucify on the cross, and he'll, he'll tear that veil and torn in two and make it a place where all of us can enter in. And you know what happened right after that? I guarantee you, we tried to sew it back up. Let's sew this back, let's sew it back up. And that's what actually happens as uh, he addresses in the book of Galatians. Why are you trying to put yourself back underneath these laws in which you couldn't even do in the first place? So we try to, try to get things back. And, and so Jesus knows what it is to feel this. He knows what it is to carry this burden and this weight. He knows what it is to like, you've mowed the grass and it keeps on growing. I gotta mow this grass again and again and again, and three years later, again, and we flipped over this table, but they set it back up, and you got clean from drugs, but you had to go into rehab again, and the marriage fell apart again, and somebody hurt your feelings again, and you thought you had, but then it happened again. Now, just think at this moment, you know, it would have been so easy for Jesus just to throw in the towel and be like, <laughs> I tried. 
I tried. Three years, gave my whole life. These disciples, they followed me around. Same old thing. <laughs> but he didn't. He said, Father, unto you I commit my spirit. Unto you I commit my ministry. Unto you I commit my hands. And, and here's what you need to know, church. Even when you're not faithful, he is. He is. And he's still flipping over tables today. And he's not okay. He's, you know, it's okay. We'll keep fighting this fight because my house will be called a house of prayer. Why? Because I've got my name on it. I've got my name on it. I got time for one more. Can I give you one more? Worship team, come on up here. Let me give you one more nugget. This isn't even, this is, this is extra. Let me, let, me, let me read for me from Isaiah. One more thing, because this happens right after. And at times, like, just, we'll go back to two servers. I'll be on time later. Um, <laughs> Isaiah chapter 57. He, uh, Isaiah, uh, the prophecies come forward. They've talked about the house of the Lord, uh, the house of prayer. He's given this warning for the leadership uh, of the church, of the temple. And he begins to address worship. In Isaiah 57 and verse 6. It says this, your gods are the smooth stones of the valleys. You worship them with liquid offerings and grain offerings. They, not I, are your inheritance. Do you think all this makes me happy? These smooth stones, smooth stones, this ease, this comfort, you worshiped them. And then it says this, they are your inheritance. Catch this, church. If you don't catch anything else this morning, you will inherit what you worship. You will inherit what you worship. If you worship money, you'll get money. You worship power, you'll get power. You worship whatever it is. You worship smooth stones. You want an easy life, you'll find it. And that'll be your inheritance. But if you worship God, you'll get God. If you worship Jesus, you will get Jesus. And if you seek him with all of your heart and with all of your mind and with all of your soul, he will be your inheritance. And it's an inheritance that goes on from generation to generation, everlasting upon everlasting, because all of those things will fade into the background. The money will fail you. The doctors will fail you. Other people will fail you. I will fail you. But if you're worshiping Jesus, he will never fail you. Stand to your feet with me. Lord God, I just worship you in every season. The grass withers, the flower fades, and yet still I will worship you. God, we'll, we'll mow this grass again and again and again, and I'll worship you, and you keep flipping over the tables in my life. Lord, every, every time I kind of leave a service like this, and I just want to set it back up again, God, you flip them over. Thank you that you're faithful. Because God, as a church, as a people, we refuse to be that blind, ignorant watchdog. We will not remain silent. We will stay watchful on the wall. We refuse 
to seek our own gain, to have our own way. We refuse to allow laziness and greed to drive us into these patterns of self-destructive behavior where we make other things our God. And yet at the same time, Jesus, we realize that we're prone to live this way. We seek out smooth stones. We seek out ease. We seek out to go worship. Lord, we turn to you this morning. Because Lord, if it's, if it's true, if we inherit what we worship, God, we want you to worship you above all things, to worship you in the temple, to worship you in the streets, to worship you in your house of prayer, to treat others rightly and justly and dwell in this place. And so we say, come, Lord Jesus. Fill our hearts and fill our minds. Lord, we repent. We repent for turning your house, which bears your name, into something other than it's about you. And we just turn back to you this morning. If you're in the house today and you don't know him, may today be the day of your salvation. May today be the day that you stop having to have it your own way. Maybe today be the day that you come and die so that you can truly live. Because I'm telling you, there is no life that has any real life outside of life in Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So if that's you and you're in the house this morning, I ask you to just put your hand real high in the air where I can see it. And I just want to lead you into a prayer of surrender to Jesus. Real high in the air. I don't want to miss you. Is there anybody? Make sure I'm not missing anybody. All right. All right, Lord, if there's someone in the room that they're just not quite ready to make that step, Lord, just continue. I just pray for this week. I pray that you would send people into their path to encourage them, to challenge them, to recognize your hand has been working on their lives this whole time. We give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. Amen and amen. Hey church, before we break, I wanna do something. I'm gonna ask my wife to come on up here. Uh, if y'all haven't met her yet, she is leading our youth group. Yeah, come on. And the new school year starts tomorrow. Come on. I'm not a, thank you, Jesus. So I've asked her if she would just lead us uh, into a prayer for our, uh, our youth. And I got, we got some of the youth right here. So as we pray, if you could just reach your hands to these youth, or if there's someone younger around you, reach your hands to them as Devin leads us in this prayer. Lord, we just lift this school year up to you, Father God. I just want to pray for all the leadership Father God, from the superintendent all the way down to admin, to teachers, to assistants, 
Father God, we just ask for grace upon them, Father God. We ask, Lord, that you'd give them hearts for these kids, Father God, Lord, that there would be a passion deep inside them, Lord, to go beyond what they're required to do, to speak into their lives, Father God, to call out those gifts yes, in them, Father God, to be a light in the darkness, Lord. We just thank you for that. And Father, I want to lift up these uh, our children and our youth to you, Father God. Lord, we just pray grace and mercy yes, over them, Father God. Yes, Lord, Lord. The, the burdens that they feel, the fear and the anxiety and the pressure to fit into this culture, Father God, we just ask, Lord, that you would just cover them this year, Father God, that you would put a hedge of protection over our children, Lord, that you would speak their identity into their lives, mm. Lord, that they would know yes, who they are, Father God, who you have called them to be, Lord, that they would have a, a boldness to stand up, Father God, for what is right, Father God, for truth, Lord, that you... You've put us in this world, but we're not of this world, Father God. Help them to know and understand, Lord, that they are here. They're in that place, Father God, to speak life, to speak um, truth, Father God, to bring um, peace into craziness, Father God, Lord, that they would be there around their friends, Lord, to, to help them through these hard times, Lord, that you would just strengthen them and encourage them, Lord, that this year they would grow, Father God, closer and closer to you, that they would have a passion for you and the things of your kingdom, Father God, Lord, we just ask for um, just life, Father God, in our youth. We ask for revival yes, in our schools, yes, Father Lord. God. Lord, we ask yes, for Jesus. prayer in our schools. Yes, and let Lord. it start with these kids, Lord. We yes, thank Lord. you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen, and amen, amen, amen. Come on, for Jesus, for Jesus. Yeah, he's good, so good. Hey, listen, if you need prayer, Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.